Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hello, and I hope you guys are all doing well today. This is take three. I've had to jump in this two or three times. Normally, I record in the mornings, and my thoughts are so much more precise as the day goes on. I tend to struggle, so this is what's been happening. I I do have my coffee here, my Reformation coffee that I'm drinking to help me, but we're going to get into some content that will hopefully be encouraging and helpful for you. We're going to talk about cultural Christianity, and I want to help you think through this idea, and I want to connect it to the idea of the weaker brother. For the last eight to ten years or so, there has been a lot of people that have written and talked against cultural Christianity. When you think cultural Christianity, think a Christian song on the radio. When you go into a store, think players kneeling before a football game or after a football game, Christian concerts in town, uh, whatever it may be. And generally, we're talking about in the South and the Midwest. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And in this Christian nationalism discussion over the last uh, six months or so, the G3 guys have jumped in to talk about, uh, in a negative manner, cultural Christianity as well. So I'm going to look at a few quotes, and then we're going to make some assessments and connections here, I think, that will be helpful, because I think we can do better when we're thinking about cultural Christianity. And when we drag Christians through the mud, even if they're the kind of Christians that just listen to general you know, Christian music and wants to pray before their meal and, you know, maybe they don't even regularly attend church. I think that we can do better than just labeling them cultural Christians and casting them out the window like they're, you know, they're terrible Trumpers or, uh, you know, somehow they're pharisaical or something like that. So let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help. And then I will clarify by reading a couple quotes that will bring us all on the same page. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Ask for blessing and clarity of thought. And I want to be encouraging and helpful to everybody that's listening. Ultimately, I want to honor you. And God, I want us to love weaker brothers. I want us to love people that are different than us in the Christian faith and help us to be kind to one another. Help us to not treat Christians as as if they're the world and help us not look at them with pride and arrogance. And so, God, I pray for humility. And I pray that we wouldn't always just assume that we're always the stronger brother, that we would recognize that there's areas in our life that we're weak as well. And so, God, I pray uh, right now for uh, brothers in big Eva, this big evangelicalism that are looking at other Christian brothers and despising them. God, I pray there would be repentance there. And just help as I talk through this. I trust you're going to. Amen. Okay, let me just read a couple quotes, then we'll be on the same page. Here we go. This is Russ Moore, 2015, Christianity Today. Bible Belt near Christianity is teetering. I say, let it fall. For much of the 20th century, especially in the South and parts of the Midwest, one had to be had to at least claim to be a Christian to be normal. During the Cold War, that meant distinguishing one, oneself from the atheistic communism. At other times, it has meant seeing church going as a way to be seen as a good parent, a good neighbor, or a regular person. It took courage to be an atheist because explicit unbelief meant something of social marginalization. Rising rates of secularism along with individualism, means that those days are over and good riddance to them. Good riddance to them is what Russ Moore is saying. So in in his mind, he's going to prefer, and he actually says that it takes courage to be an atheist in this particular thing, even though the Bible says that that's the fool that says there is no God. Somehow or another, he sees some sort of virtue in the atheist being an atheist when cultural Christianity is rampant. Okay? Keep that in mind. Now, he goes on. He says this, in the Bible Belt, Let's say in the 1940s, there were people who didn't, for example, divorce even though they wanted out of their marriages. 
In many of these cases, the motive was an obedience to Jesus' command and marriage, but instead, because they knew that divorce would marginalize them from their communities, in that sense, their traditional family values were motivated by the same thing that motivated the religious leaders who rejected Jesus, fear of being put out of the synagogue. Now, to be sure, that kept some children in an intact families, but that is hardly revival. Okay, of course, that's not, that's not revival, but my goodness, it was better that they stayed together because of this social pressure. But that's not what we're necessarily talking about. I want you to think about the disdain in which this tone is communicating. Okay? Now, this is just a quote from Ray Ortland where he talks about Bible Christianity and its soon coming death. He says that he is for the decline of Bible Belt religion. And he wants that to happen quickly. Now, you could look up other quotes. These are just a few that I'd seen before that I pulled out from Christian Nationalism, Stephen Wolf's book, just for the sake of of uh, uh, brevity, brevity of research. I was just able to pull that out because I'd read that recently. But this is what we're talking about. And I want you to think about cultural Christianity, not in the not as it re, not as it's connected to Pharisaicalism, because I think that's where Russ Moore and most people take it. Um, I want you to hear the anger that is in the hearts or the disdain or the turning up the nose that's in the hearts of many people who are against cultural Christianity. Um. What ends up happening is that men want to communicate to non-believers that we, I, am not like them. They are the problem, and I recognize that they are the problem. Even if they claim to be Christians, I'm recognizing that they're the problem. What ends up happening is you create this group of people. This is what's happened over the last several years with this growing divide with what people have been calling Big Eva for now two or three years. It's kind of losing its sting a little bit. But the I'm not like them idea is everywhere. And so you look at those that have a simple faith. You look at those who are cultural Christians that may have a Christian t-shirt on or a bumper sticker on the back of their car or may you know love and, and tear up at the playing of the American flag. They voted for Donald Trump and they're just good old boy Christians, what ends up happening is well-to-do, cool kid, cool table Christians look at them with disdain and they want to distance themselves or stiff arm themselves against them and push them away to have some sort of evangelistic appeal to those that are in the outside world. This is very common. In fact, there's whole missiologies built on this kind of idea. You've heard you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, churches say, well, this is not your grandma's church. What is that? What is that? When you say, when a church says, this is not your grandma's church, number one, it's anger, disdain, or pride towards older Christians and older style churches methodologically. But also, it's a it's a kind of man or a person or a pastor or church that wants to differentiate themselves between that kind of church and who we are. We are the in church. We are cool. There's some sort of appeal or draw then that we can have towards the outsider, towards the non-Christian, because we're not like grandma's church. And everybody that went to grandma's church that remember how, remembers how bored they are, somehow or another, they're going to turn to this church and they're going to think, oh, that's you know really cool. I, I like these guys. I think this is really a good thing for me. Oh my goodness, they're really appealing to me because of how neat they are and how different they are and how they drink beer or whatever it may be. Think about Acts 29 and 
let's just for a minute, for the last, like this whole missional movement, think Ed Stetzer in his uh, book, Missional Churches, uh, early 2000s, whatever was happening with the emergent church and then they're breaking off and then the Acts 29, you know, the, the missional Calvinistic churches that was a part of the young restless and, and, and reform movement. Okay. This whole concept of cultural Christianity or distancing, distancing yourself from Bible Belt Christians to communicate that I'm not like them is what networks and churches have been built on. It's what the SBC has been doing as they've been trying to trans- transition into this new guard for the last 20 years. It's exactly what they've been doing. This is um, communicating to the world that we're not fundamentalists. We aren't singing old you know, gospel songs in a tent. We're not like them. This is cultural Christianity. We're not them. And it's also, in the early 2000s, communicating to everybody else that we're not cheesy Rick Warren. We're not putting on a you know, Hawaiian shirt and sitting at a, uh, at a table. We're actually going to you know, preach the Bible. We're going to preach the Bible. So we're not like them either. This is the SBC New Guard. It's not just Acts 29 or networks like them or Sojourn Network that broke out of the SBC that we were a part of for a little bit. The SBC New Guard has been doing this as well, where they've been trying to distance themselves really from the rest of the nomination. Their whole idea through through NAM, a lot of North American Mission Board, as they've been planting churches, has been to try to, in their, I mean, messaging, in their what they're thinking about church planting, they're wanting to show secular, you know, secularists, everybody that's out there and everybody that's in the cities and all the cities that they're planting churches in, that we aren't like your grandma's church. It's just a reiteration of that same idea, that same concept. It is a villainization of cultural Christians or a villainization of other brothers and sisters in Christ that are doing things a little bit different than they want to do them. It's literally shaming another model of ministry and, you know, we could talk about ecclesiology if we wanted to and talk about the problems of, of good and bad ecclesiology, certainly. But this is the this is the issue of this whole cultural Christian thing where people are looking at others and they're, they're, they're just wanting to distance themselves and they're wanting to be buddies with the world, but they're actually wanting to distance themselves from brothers and sisters in Christ. This is deeply problematic. Even if it's brothers and sisters in Christ that are false converts, but they're just claiming the name of Christ, we have more to do with that person than we have with any lost person in the whole country, any lost neighbor that we have. We have more to do with this brother or sister in Christ that claims to be a Christian and has a, a Christian bumper sticker, but flips people with the bird all the time. Okay, I mean, that's certainly a problem. But this this disdain, I think, really needs to stop. Um I think a lot of it has stemmed from the political uh, political battles that have been going on in the last few years where people like Russ Moore and, and Ray Ortland and the Gospel Coalition have wanted to show the watching world as if the world is watching us or, you know, the Gospel Coalition. But they've wanted to show people that we don't vote for Trump. We're not those Trump people. Okay, we, We're different than that. We're different from those Southern Christians that are down there, those racist Christians down there. And by the way, just a side note, we have more in common with Christians who deal with this idea of ethnic superiority, which there are very few Christians like that. But we still, if it's a Christian, have more in common with that Christian than we have with our non-Christian neighbor. So the, the whole idea of turning your nose up at cultural Christians, and this is what I want you to think through, Pastor, that you don't make sure, you know, that you make sure that in your heart you don't have this, this anger, bitterness, or whatever it may be that's twisted and contorted. I think... Instead of viewing, so Big Eva views cultural Christians as Pharisees, and they treat them as such. And I think they're just the weaker brother. Or <laughs> those that think they are just, you know, fake or phony Christians are actually the weaker brother. 
So we've got to be, there's two-way grace here to those that, the, the prideful, arrogant Christians that are sticking their nose up and calling, you know, cultural Christians, uh, you know, pharisaical. We've got to look with them and, and call them to repentance, but also we got to be gracious with them as well. Um, and, and not forget that we're also brothers in Christ with those that are in the air in that side or that way. But I think they're the weaker brother. And what does the Bible call us to do with weaker brothers? We, we could, you know, just instead of cultural Christians, just think weaker brother. All right. Instead of despising the weaker brother, love them. Recognize that they are a part of the body of Christ by their confession. And we want to do everything we can to see them grow into maturity. We don't want to stiff arm them. We don't want to make stupid jabs at them like, uh, well, this isn't your grandma's church, as if your church is cool, <laughs> you know, like whatever it may be. We've got to see weaker brothers and treat them as God has called them, called us to treat them, which is like brothers. I mean, we see that in the scriptures. We see that in 1 Corinthians 14. We see that in other places in 1 Corinthians uh, and 2 Corinthians as well. We, we are in, a, uh, yeah, several different places. We treat them as brothers. That's what we're called to do. So instead of despising the weaker brother, we love the weaker brother. And if you despise the weaker brother, that's pretty weak. It really is. It's pretty weak. It's pretty arrogant. Uh, we're for each other. And cultural Christians, it, cultural Christianity is a very good thing. It's a whole lot better than secularism. So anyways, I hope that's uh, some good food for thought for you. And I would love a rating, review, comment. Please share this like this. Uh, you guys know the drill. I've been getting uh, the last two reviews I got on the uh, iTunes reviews were extremely negative. I've shared those and they're comical negative, but would love for you to take the time to pause, go over there, leave a rating, review, and uh, I sure would appreciate it. Thank you guys. I hope you guys have a, ra a great rest of your day.